0: it's time for football asia with paul williams yes time to talk football asia with paul williams from the asian game podcast evening paolo
1: evening simon alex how are you guys
0: very good, good uh it is the afc annual awards night tonight in doha where else would it be <laughs> <laughs> uh these awards are for 2022 which i'm hoping you can explain why they're so late in the day uh there is a lot of australian interest matt leckie sam kerr both in the running for the player of the year awards Graham arnold coach of the year mary fowler young women's player of the year Are uh, the aussies a chance do you think
1: uh i think some of them are definitely a chance um in, in terms of why it's now for 2022, I try not to keep up with AFC logic too much <laughs> these days. Um, I think essentially it was because last year's uh, event was was cancelled or, or postponed, so have effectively carried it over. So I think the qualifying period is from January 22 through until about halfway through 2023, uh, that, that period of time. So um, I think in terms of the men's, I think Matt Lecky is probably an outside chance. I think the fact he's not actually in Doha kind of gives it away a little bit. It's only yeah. al Ali and, and Salim al Dosari that, that are there. And when you you look at the fact that this takes in the World Cups, of course, Saudi Arabia's performance, al Dosari's goal, the fact he led Al-Halal to the Champions League final as well, I find it hard-pressed to go past him. For that award, but certainly on the women's side, um, given the fact that Sam Kerr came second in the the Ballon d'Or overnight, um, it's hard to think that anyone besides Sam Kerr could win that award given what she has achieved. You'd hope so, wouldn't you? You would (laughs) hope so. You would certainly hope so. (laughs) But she's not there either,
0: Paul. She's not there either.
1: (laughs) She's not there, but I'd be surprised if any of them are there, uh, to be fair because um, they're all based uh, all based in Europe, Saki Kumagai and Junglin Yan as well. So uh, she's by far the, the standout women's player in Asia. And if she wins, uh, she'd become only the second woman after Aya Miyama to have won the award twice. Um, and you can imagine, given the form she's in, probably not going to end here as well. So uh, she would be a lock. And I think in terms of then Graham Arnold, Mary Fowler, Mary Fowler I think is a good shot. And Graham Arnold, toss of a coin, I think, between him and, Moriassi, they've kind of had similar trajectories over the last couple of years. A lot of doubt about their positions. They've answered those critics and really taken their teams to the next level. So I think either of those would be a worthy winner.
0: Okay. Um, It appears that the Socceroos are heading for Kuwait uh, for that World Cup qualifier against Palestine on November the 21st. That's the country they have nominated uh, to host the match with all the problems of course in that part of the world at the moment. Does that pose any security issues for the travelling Socceroos, do you think?
1: I don't think so. I think whichever country it was going to be hosted in, I think the security arrangements um, will be pretty secure. Um, of course, Football Australia have their own security team that um, that go forward with the team and, and they'll make sure everything is taken care of. I think Q8's an interesting choice. For this um, for this tie, though. I mean, from what I was being told from people with connections to the Palestine camp, it looked like Jordan was pretty much a lot to to host that game. And it, it makes sense, given that country's connection with, with Palestine and, mm. and the Palestinian community as well. But from what I understand, surprise, surprise, um, there might be some politics behind why that. Not the case, and and who supports who within uh, within Asia and and AFC, and and, and which political parties are are okay with with leaders. So um, either way, it's it's going to be a politically and emotionally charged occasion wherever it was going to be held. Kuwait City is Australia's played there plenty of times in the past, senior, junior level. So it, it, it's it's not a um it's not a particularly sort of logistically challenging location for for the Socceroos or Football Australia to have to contend with.
0: Paul, looking around at, at some of the leagues in Asia, Craig Goodwin scored twice again for al Wada. Um Unfortunately, it wasn't enough against Stephen Gerrard's Al-Etifak. Uh, they got a, a late winner there against him. But Craig Goodwin continuing to, to, to fire in Saudi?
1: Yeah, he's he's continued where he left off here in Australia. He's in, he's in red-hot form over there. A couple of bangers too. He scored uh, for, for al Wada against against Etifak. Um He's he's in a rich reign of form ever since the World Cup, with and even before then, really. But ever since that that World Cup, he's taken his game to another level. As you said, it wasn't uh, enough for them to get over for Etifak. That was an important win for them because I think they'd gone three games uh, without a win and were sort of losing touch a little bit um, with the, the top of the table after a, a pretty promising. Start. They'll move into a new stadium to Etifac as well uh, in the next couple of weeks. That might give them a little bit of a a little bit of a boost as well.
0: Yeah, Gigi. Uh, We're scoring twice in that game. And uh, just out of interest for A League fans, John Hendry, former ex Melbourne City, is playing at the back for Stephen Gerrard's team. Um, let's move on to the J League. Three games to go, Paul, and it's a straight fight between Vissel Kobe and uh, Kevin Muscat's Yokohama F Marinos. although if you believe the UK press, Muskie might not be there to see the conclusion. He's been very strongly linked with uh, the managerial vacancy at Millwall.
1: Mm. I find it hard to believe that he could leave before the end of the season, given the situation that they're in. I mean, you can't turn down an opportunity to, to further his career in in the championship, but With three games to go, they're two points off top spot. They gained a couple of points on the weekend because inexplicably, inexplicably, Vissel Kobe dropped points to Shonan Balmare, who were second bottom and battling relegation. They only managed a a one-all draw. Uh, Meanwhile, Muskie's side got a a 4 nil win over Fukuoka. So it's just a two-point lead with three games to go. And Kobe faced a very difficult run home. They got matches against both. Barawa and Nagoya, who are both in the top five, um, that's a difficult run home. Whereas on the flip side, Muskie uh, and, and Yokohama face uh, two teams that are in the bottom half of the table, Kyoto Sanga and, and Alborex Niigata. So on paper, it's an easier run home. And all it takes is, uh, is one more slip up from Kobe and, and Yokohama are hot on their heels. So we see this time and again in the J-League that it comes down to the final, um, final match day. They've had some thrilling title deciders in the past, and this one looks like it might go down to the wire again. So, Given the circumstances, it would almost be inexplicable for Muskie to leave at this point of the season. He probably wouldn't near endear himself to the Oklahoma faithful if he uh, left them now.
0: I wonder if yeah. they go for another Aussie coach, Brosky, because they've had Postacoglu and Muskie yeah. if he decides to go or if Melbourne wants him. Mm. Anyway. Go on, Broski. All right. In Korea, Paul, uh, Also, now they had to wait 17 years for a K-League title, but last weekend, uh, mate, they won it for the second year in a row.
1: Mm. It's like the joke about London buses, isn't it? You wait forever for one, <laughs> and then they all turn up at the same time. Um, they've been the, the dominant team all season in Korea. They've been the dominant team for the last couple of seasons in Korea, to be fair. Uh, they're well clear of Hung in, in second spot. It's It's been effectively just waiting for this moment when they'll they'll wrap it up. That the titles they've had both hands on the title for for quite a while now. But the real story in Korea over the last couple of years has kind of been the implosion of Jumbo because they'd been the, the absolute juggernaut that had just brushed everyone aside over the last couple of years. It's the first time in a decade and a half that they've gone two seasons without winning a title and, and off field things I don't think are overly healthy as well. I think the fans aren't particularly pleased with the direction and the the lack of results that the club has been getting. I saw today that they've appointed a new general manager who has no football experience whatsoever. So that's um, uh, an interesting appointment. Um, someone who's well known to uh, sort of the, the Hyundai Corporation who's taken charge of their basketball team in the past. I think he comes from the Korean Archery Association. So it's quite a peculiar appointment to, uh, to be given that job and the, the task they've got to, to turn that club around, to give that to someone with no football experience, that's a really interesting one to watch as mm. they head into uh, the next season to see whether they can bounce back or whether the slide will continue for them.
0: Okay, uh, Paolo, final question. I'd, I'd like to go around the continent and find the most obscure questions that I can test you with. <laughs> so this week I, th- I thought I'd go to Pakistan who uh, I know to have just appointed Stephen Constantine as their national team coach. I think he had a bit of success with India back in the day. Now, this is a nation of 240 million people. We know cricket, obviously, is the number one sport there, but football, I'm told, is second in popularity, Mm. and yet they're an absolute basket case in football. Why is that so, and and can he be the man to help turn their fortunes around? You've got about two minutes, Paolo, to wrap all that up.
1: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, he's, he has already turned the fortunes around because he was appointed just before their first round World Cup qualifier against Cambodia. And they'd never won a World Cup qualifier in their existence. They've been trying since 1990. They had their independence 40 years before that, but they only started trying to qualify for the World Cup in 1990. They'd never won a World Cup qualifier. Um, and he's already he's already achieved that feat. They, they had a nil-all draw in Cambodia, they came back to Pakistan. They played the second leg in Islamabad, the first time they played a competitive game in Pakistan for over a decade, and they got a 1 0 win, the first ever World Cup qualifying victory. Um, so he's a hero in Pakistan now. Um, he, he signed a new contract to take them through, through to now the, the second round of qualifying, their first game. Uh, I think is against uh, Saudi Arabia. So it's going to be (laughs) a a difficult challenge for them. But in terms of why they are a basket case, it will come as no surprise to you. It's politics. It's corruption. They've had numerous FIFA bans over the last couple of years. Um, Political interference. um, FIFA has frowned upon that. There's a normalisation committee in there at the moment. Um, They're facing their own difficulties and challenges. There's got to be new elections that are being held. Um, I think the... Pakistan football headquarters were actually seized recently as well. And the PS couldn't get access to their own building. So yeah, the situation is certainly far from resolved. But given all of that, there's barely any domestic league to speak of. It's a miracle that they managed to get through that first round of, mm. of World, Cup qualifi- World Cup qualification, given everything that's going on around in uh, around the football scene in the country. But they did, and they're through to the second round. Hopefully that can be kind of an impetus, a catalyst for, for some change in, in Pakistan because the potential there is is limitless um, if they can get their act together. Um, so they're on the right track and they're through to the second round of qualifying. We'll see what Stephen Constantine can do from here.
0: Brilliant, Paulo. can never get one past you when it comes to Asian football. You're a good man. Uh, we'll speak to you next week. Thanks, Paul. Thanks, Paul.
1: Cheers, guys. Appreciate it.